What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and back with us for the full show today is my co-host, Curtis. We were able to steal him away from the from the new job for just a few minutes here today, so Kurt, it's good to have you back, man. And uh, with Curtis back today, we are going to be recapping our third straight decisive win to open the season. This one, obviously, over the Middle Tennessee State Blue Raiders. And we are going to have that full recap of the game here in just a minute or two for you guys. But first, I do just want to take a quick second to remind everyone out there that we will we uh, will be posting the game recap shows like this one today to SoundCloud, iTunes, all that good stuff for free each and every week during the season. But the other shows, including our game preview and pick show, will be exclusive to our subscribers on Podbean. So make sure to go to Podbean and subscribe today for only $2 a month. It's a really quick, easy process. All you got to do, if you're on the computer, you can just pull up uh, our Twitter feed and uh, click on the link there in our profile. It'll take you straight to our Podbean page on the right. There's a little yellow Buy Now button. You can click on that, type in your information, and boom, you're done in like a minute or two. And if you're uh, on a mobile site, it's the same thing, same process. You just have to scroll down the mobile site a little bit to find that yellow Buy Now button. So definitely, uh, if you're interested in hearing more of our content, Take a second out of your day and subscribe now for $2 a month through the rest of the season. But uh, all right, let's go ahead and talk about this game. We took a 42-7 lead into halftime, and we have now scored 40-plus points in our first three games of the season for the first time since 2012 has been a minute. And we are right now averaging just a little bit over 45 points a game. It was definitely an easy win. Uh, we were never really challenged, as it should have been. We should not have been challenged in this game, and we were not. But Kurt, and I don't want to be an alarmist here, but my Twitter feed after after the game yesterday, it had some people who were not exactly overly thrilled with the win, as I guess how I would say it. They were happy we won, of course, but also a little upset and concerned about some of the things they saw through the course of the game against Middle Tennessee. So, Kurt, are you in that same boat? Did you see things that concerned you, or are people kind of just looking for things to pick at right now? I mean, you didn't like seeing the way they rushed against us, but realistically, I mean, you, this is a team that runs a very wide-open spread type attack. They're one of those teams that you know they're going to get their yards for the most part. I mean, it doesn't matter who, they're play, who they play, they're still going to rack up some yards. So, I mean, you, you don't like seeing them get those yards, but realistically, the most important thing was that we held, you know, we held them to only one touchdown, and that was on a, a really, you know, a busted play uh, where uh, JRE took a bad angle. And other than that, I mean, we held them in check. You know, they got their yards, but never anything that truly threatened isn't the point of defensive football to keep the offense from scoring? Yeah, I mean, people, right? people are freaking out over them rushing and, you know, getting some yards rushing and, you know, some maybe a little bit in the passing game. But realistically, I mean, our defense, right now our defense is, I think, through three games is giving up eight points a game. Yeah, I mean, look, did I think what people look at is, like, okay, it's Middle Tennessee State. Should they be able to run the ball for even 50 yards on? Probably not, but they ran for, what, 158? Uh, so what, what is Missouri going to do? What is LSU going to do? Well, what is Auburn going to do? Teams like that. And, and I, I do understand that worry because when you see a team like Middle Tennessee run for 158, you're like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. What are these Yeah, I mean, you're going to do, do that. But at the same time, are we gonna eat, like, we were very vanilla. We, you know, rotated sure. people in and out, left and right, trying to get people as many reps as we could. We didn't always have in our first group all the time and things like that. I mean, yeah. people have to take that into account. I mean, there, I, I think I there's a third, the, you know, a couple drives where I noticed, you know, we had uh, people in there. Uh, like Mikael Carter and stuff like that on the defense line, they were running on us. So all of a sudden, we put in our starters, or even even um, the group with Barnett and Jay Hayes and things like that, and we shut them right back down. Right, I, I tend to agree with you, and I I really do not want to dismiss the people who are concerned about uh, our 
our inability but to let's be honest, completely a lot shut of them down. That are worried with they would, you know, I mean, it, we could win seventy nothing. They oh sure, absolutely. Them. There's some people who can never be happy, but I mean, I do think it's like legitimate to at least pose the question. So I'm not, I'm not going to completely dismiss anyone out of hand. Uh, but I, I think you also have to look at a couple things. What you mentioned it makes a ton of sense. I think you have to put it into context. Yes, they ran for 158 yards. That was on 38 carries, so they averaged just a hair over four yards a carry, which is probably a little too much. Against a team like Middle Tennessee, you probably want to see it in the, in the two and a half to three and a half yard range. That's a little too much. But you also have to remember our starters did not play the entire second half. We had a few starters in the game on defense when we opened the second half, but I'd say half the defense there were second and third string guys for pretty much the yeah, entire a lot of, half. A lot of, quite a few rushing yards came actually that first drive in the third quarter. Yep, and actually I have the numbers here. I went back and crunched numbers when I was rewatching the game today a couple times. Uh, and Middle Tennessee had 68 yards rushing on 14 carries in the first half. Uh, that comes out to just about four and a half yards a carry. Now, is that I don't like that four and a half average. I think it's a little high. Again, I, I like to get that back into like the two and a half to three and a half range. But it's not like they like. I kept hearing the word gashing. They gashed us on the ground. Would you say they gashed us on the ground? Absolutely not. Like, did they did they have a, a gain on the ground that was more than like 10 to 12 yards? I, I can't remember one off the top of my head. No, not that sticks out to me. Gashing is you know like you said ten or ten or more. Yeah, they're cu- cutting off right. huge plays here and there, and like. And now, I will say one thing that did frustrate me, and I, I think this might be something that people were talking about, is I think on first down, they were having a little too much success, more success than I would like. You know, whether it was uh, getting the ball to the perimeter on those little quick screens, uh, getting five, six yards there, or, or getting uh, or running the ball on first down, getting four or five yards. I think that is frustrating. It's, if you have to win first down. You have to win first down. Because if you don't win first down, then it's going to be really tough to win third. I mean, third down is the most important down, but winning on first down is what gets you to third down. So uh, I would definitely like to see us improve there a little bit. But uh, one other thing that I, I really want to mention here when it, talks, when, when it comes to our defense of the run game on Saturday, we came out in our dime package. Did you notice that, Curtis? Yeah. Like We opened the game, the first couple of drives, in our dime package. And Middle Tennessee State, to their credit, did what they should have done. They took what we gave them. Clearly, when we come out in our dime package on first down to open the game, clearly, or our first defensive play, Clearly, we are trying to limit the big play, and we are giving them the, the ability to run the ball in the situations based on the personnel we have on the field. In our dime package, we have six DBs on the field. We have one linebacker, and we really have like two interior linemen on the field. So, of course, the thing you're going to do on first, if a team comes out, comes out in the dime package on first down, you're going to try to run the football. And that's exactly what they did. To their credit, they took what we gave them. But so what I guess I'm saying here is I think a lot of the rushing yards they racked up, I think that a big, big part of that was that was game plan specific. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's very fair. I mean, literally, we know this is similar to what Mizzou is going to show us next week for the most part. We didn't want to give Mizzou any chance of knowing how we were going to game plan against them. Yeah, I mean, of course, you definitely do not want to give them any insight there at all. But I mean, I guess Middle Tennessee. We could keep it vanilla and still beat them like we did. Yeah, absolutely. Against Middle Tennessee, we. I, I think clearly we felt, all right, we don't want to give up any big plays against this team. We don't want to give them any quick, easy scores. We're going to make them be methodical and just carve us up down the field. If they can do that, good for them. But I think our coaches our coaches have felt pretty clearly. Because what we were doing the entire game, even when we went out of our dive package, they, they were running the ball a little bit in those situations. So we went to our nickel package. We were still almost the entire game trying to keep two, keep two high safeties. We've, I, I can't remember maybe a handful of snaps where we rolled a safety down in the box. Very, very rarely did we do that in this game. Clearly, we were trying to play over the top, not allow them to get anything cheap. And you saw what they were doing. They were taking those little quick screens to the outside, uh, horizontally. They were trying to run the football. And we were essentially saying, you will not beat us doing that, right? Yeah. Like, you have no chance to beat us. As much as we're going to score on you, uh, as many playmakers as we have offensively, the points we're going to put up, 
you cannot score enough doing that. You're not going to be able to do that. You, we're not going to give up the big play. So that's what I saw uh, in our game plan going back and watching this game is we simply did not want to have to put other guys in the box. If we if we would have brought a safety down the box, we absolutely could have slowed their running game down. But we rarely did that because we simply did not want to give up the big plays. We want to make them go methodically down the field and eat up clock and just get out of this game. And that, that's what I saw when I went back and watched this game a couple of times today. So, yeah, I know 158 yards, and you look at that in the box score, it's kind of like, oof, that's rough, man. And when you watch the game live, you know, they, they bite off four, five, six-yard chunks here and there. And that's frustrating to watch against a team like this because you think we're Georgia, you shouldn't be able to run the football and it's like that. But that's essentially what we were giving them based on our defensive alignments. And I think our coaches, they're never okay. I don't want to say they're okay with us giving them 158 yards rushing, but I think that was somewhat by design. And I don't think they're going to be too alarmed. And I don't know that. I'm not in the coaches' meeting rooms. I don't know what they're thinking, but I can't imagine they're going to be overly alarmed by that. Now, would they like to see our defensive linemen beat blocks more consistently and win some of those situations? Yeah, I, I I would like to see that. That's one thing that's concerning to me. It's like, yeah, we get you know, a lot of this might have been by design, schematically, but I would still like to see our defensive linemen win those one-on-one battles a little bit more often and, and make some plays in the backfield and be a little more disruptive. Because right now, we're just not doing that consistently, even against the Middle Tennessee States of the world. So I do think that is somewhat concerning there. Uh, but I'm not really like I'm not like freaking out about them rushing for 158 in this game, especially when you had the second and third string playing almost the entire second half. Um, all right, well, let's go ahead and move into our weekly position grades here. We do this each and every week, recapping the game. We will go through each position offensively and defensively and just give our grades A, B, C, D, so on and so forth, and to give you a little synopsis on why we're given that grade. We're going to start on the offensive side of the ball like we do each week with the quarterback position. Curtis, what grade are you giving the quarterbacks on the day? Um, I think you have to go with an A. I don't think uh, they did anything truly that makes me worry. I mean, if you look at Fromm and Fields, the top two guys, obviously, they combined to go 16 of 20 for 199 yards, four touchdowns, and zero picks. I mean, it's hard to do much better than that, right? Yeah. I mean, and you got Fields running one in for a touchdown as well. He had his first passing, first rushing touchdown of the year, right? If my memory serves me correctly on that? Yes. Uh, I, I thought Fromm was, was, was spot on today. I, mean, I thought he was really sharp. Only threw the ball 12 times. He was 10 of 12 for 128 yards, 10 yards uh, per attempt. Had a, a three touchdown passes. I thought he looked really, really sharp. In fact, that I think I know at least one of his incompletions was a drop on the sideline. The other one I can't remember off the top of my head. It might have been another drop, but still, I mean, he was almost flawless out there. Um, I, I I thought he went through his progressions really well. That that big play to Jeremiah Hallman on the backside post. I thought he, that was a picture perfect play of what Fromm's able to do. He really worked through his progression. I think Hallman was the third progression on that. If you watch him go through his progressions there. He ends up on the backside post. There's a beautiful ball, 55 yards in the air, just absolutely gorgeous. Uh, so I really liked what I saw from him. Fields is still, you know, he's working through some things. That, the athleticism, you can just see it out there. It's obvious for us all to see. I mean, it's just tantalizing how athletic and how talented this guy is. Uh, but still, when he's going to the air, he's still mostly one read and go, is he not? Yeah, he is. I mean, he's basically, if the first read's not there, he's taking off. There was, uh, I did see him improve on that in one play. Uh, he had a, a big gain to Nada across the middle of the field when Nada was dragging across about 10, 15 yards um, across the middle of the field. Uh, and Nada was his second read there. So he went off his first progression. Instead of just running on that one, he did look to Nada and hit him with a beautiful pass, very accurate, right there in his hands with the guy trailing right on his hip. So uh, maybe hopefully that's a sign of things to come for Fields. He's still a freshman. I mean, I'm not, not concerned about this at all. It's just something that we got to keep watching him progress through this because right now still he's still mostly a one-read-and-go guy, and it works against teams like Middle Tennessee State. But when you face teams like LSU, Auburn down the road, even Missouri, 
Um, that's not always going to work against better competition with better athletes on the field. So I think he, it's really good for us to be able to get him in the game like this, get him some uh, some reps, be able to work through that a little bit more, maybe get a little bit more comfortable. But yeah, I got I can't say there's anything less than an A here for the quarterbacks. Uh, all right, what about the running backs here? Uh, they combined the top three guys, Harry and Swift and Holyfield, combined for 17 carries and 156 yards. What grade are you giving our backs? I think you have to go with an A. Yeah. Uh, one question I had here, because uh, a couple people were blowing me oh, – I shouldn't say blowing me up, but I had a couple questions about this on Twitter after the game. What do you make of uh, our starter, DeAndre Swift, really not seeing any action after the first or second drive there? I'm really not thinking too much into it. I mean, let's be honest – he has had a problem with his groin and everything throughout, you know, since right. last year or so. And, you know, they really brought him along slowly in the spring and in the fall they have also. And I think that's one of the things that they'd rather save him for the end of the season when you truly get into SEC play, when you're playing the LSUs, then you play Auburn. I mean, then you play Florida, then you play Auburn. And then possibly if you get to the SEC championship game, you play Bam or something like that. You want to have someone that's 100% healthy and doesn't have as many carries and wear and tear on the body. And right now we're able to win without having to do so. Yeah, I, I, I want to agree. I, I agree with you, and I really just want to believe. I don't have the inside information here. I don't know. I'm not going to pretend that I and, know and the here's answer. Here's another thing, too. The guys that are getting these reps, they've never gotten reps like this in the big-time situations. I mean, I know Fields was third string, but he still got some big-time carries in big-time situations last yeah. year where uh, Holyfield and Herring specifically never did. Yeah, I, I think that that's another fair point. There. I didn't think about that. That makes a lot of sense. Um but Swift, like I, I want to believe it's just a, a matter of our coach is trying to protect him because that groin injury, from from what I understand, was actually pretty pretty significant. Uh, and we worked him back very slowly. We were very careful with him. So in a game like this, when you're up and you're gonna win, it's pretty clear from the get go. Why even bother trying to get him hurt, right? I mean, here's the, here's the question: What do you gain from by continuing playing him? Nothing, other than his stats. If he's going for the Heisman, but that's not that's not real. That's not realistic this year. That's not gonna happen. Not with the how we rotate uh, backs. So I mean, not, not something. What? That's why I would ask these people, what do you gain by playing him? Just Nothing. personal awards. Like, all SEC stuff because they rack up the numbers. But that's it. Like, but our coaches don't care about that. Our coaches care about winning. And, I, I mean, and look, the postgame press conference, Kirby made no mention of, like, there's like there's some major injury, anything like that. I really believe, like you said, it's a combination of maybe these other guys, Harry and Holyfield, we want to get them some reps and get some carries and uh, kind of just lather them up. I mean, and why why, and why, why risk it? And asked hurt? Kirby about it, and he literally said there's no injury. Yeah, there's no injury. He, yeah, he flat out said it. He was like, there's just – that's not even – like, it's not a thing. We just – I mean, I really believe we we're just being careful with the guy. I mean, you do not want to do anything to possibly aggravate a, a groin injury. Here's what I want to say, too. You say we run a uh, switch out there and he gets hurt. People are like, you know, why are you even running him against a team like this? Oh, yeah, you know, like all the people who are pissed off about Zeus out there on the punt team? Yeah. Right, exactly. Exactly. Like, it's a, the coach can't win. I mean, that's just that's part of the job. It goes with getting paid millions of dollars a year. You're, you're wrong with whatever you do. If you do this, you're wrong. If you do the other thing, you're wrong. Like, you can't make everybody happy. Somebody's going to be mad at you at all times. Uh, but I, I don't – and, the, again, I don't really know. But I'm going to trust what Kirby said, that there's no injury. And I don't, I'm, I don't, I've never heard of Dondre Swift getting into trouble. So I don't think there's any sort of doghouse. I truly think we're just thinking along the lines of why even bother getting him out there and potentially getting him hurt or aggravating that groin injury. Why even do it? Why put more tread in the tires, you know? And like you said – what benefit does like what? How does the benefit you put him out there? I agree. Uh, all right, so we rushed for 261 yards on the day. Running backs obviously had a lot to do with that. Our top, like I said, our top three guys go for 156 yards combined uh, on 17 carries. So really nice average there on the day. Uh, but the offensive line, of course, has a big part of that as well. How do you grade out our offensive line, Kurt? 
Oh, I think you have to go with probably B plus. That's exactly what I have. Okay, so the running backs give an A for their effort run the football. But why didn't the offensive line get that same grade? Um, I think uh, we struggled a few times in pass. Uh, pass, but I think that was it, really. Talk to me about Cade Mays a little bit here. People were really excited about him after his second half against South Carolina, how he came in and performed, and justifiably so. He performed really well. Against a worn-down defense, but he still did a really good job as a true freshman coming in his first meaningful time. What did you make of his performance on Saturday? Um, you know, I thought he held his own. I mean, it wasn't—he was—he was competing. It's not like he wasn't competing against South sure. Carolina. We didn't really do any drop back passes where he had to hold his own for a long period of time. We were doing a lot of screens and a lot of run blocking. Even if—I mean, he had that one hold in the run blocking uh, Saturday. But other than that, he really, you know, did what he did against South Carolina. You know, plowing, plowing people, and uh, you know, going out there and being a bulldozer on the run game. I mean, so this is the first time we've ever had to see him in a prolonged situation of doing pass blocking. I mean, he held his own for the most part. But, I mean, that's about what you expect. I mean, not everyone is like what Andrew Thomas was last year. Yeah. No, no, they're not. Do you think he's a true left tackle or does he fit more as a right tackle? But since we got Wilson over there. I think he could be a true left tackle the more reps he got. I think he, you know, he has, I mean, he's one of these people, let's be honest, that hasn't really gotten many left tackle reps other than the last couple weeks in practice. For a long time, he was competing at right tackle. Then they were trying to get him at guard. And then the last couple weeks, they moved him to left tackle. So he hasn't had that many reps. I don't know how many times he's truly gone against certain pass rush situations like these where the people are using some of the moves that they are. I know it's Middle Tennessee, but these guys are still, you know, they're first stringers and probably have their own experience and practice moves. Yeah, I, I, and what they were doing essentially is they were getting under him. He's six foot six, big tall guy. They were getting underneath yeah, not, his pads. It's not like they were just straight up beating him with speed. They were just getting, you know, using leverage and things like that, which is kind of something that doesn't shock me coming from a freshman. No, not at all. I mean, it's it's a technique issue right now. It's not a, it's not a talent or an athletic ability issue right now because basically, if you go back and watch it. He's, he's bending at the waist. He's not bending at the knees, which is cardinal sin number one for a left tackle. You cannot bend at the waist. You get beat because you get overextended. You lose your base. You've got no power. The guys just they sneak around you. He's got to do a better job of bending at the knees, keeping uh, keeping his, his weight balanced and distributed evenly, uh, which is something that comes with time. Like you said, it comes with reps. It comes with going out there and learning how to do this. Let's be real. In high school in Tennessee, uh, this guy just relied on physically mauling people, right? Yeah, I mean that, that's that's what he did, and that's what I mean. Most I mean, most linemen saw, do that in high school. Saturday, when he got his hands on the people though in pass pro, they didn't go anywhere. Yeah, well, when he gets his hands, he's powerful. He just got when when he does it right, he does it with, with the proper technique. The dude can get the job done. I have no question about that. It's just a matter of him doing it consistently and him again bending at the knees, just just get, distributing his weight more evenly. Stop being stop getting overextended on these guys. Uh, you just gotta you know. You, do a little bit more, maybe it's basically become a little more polished out there, which I think, again, comes with more reps. Now, in the run game, he's a mauler. Like, the dude is just, he's a physical animal out there in the run game. I mean, he's nasty. He's a couple, I think, I forget which, wow, what quarter was it? Maybe second quarter, third quarter. There's one play where he actually got beat on around the edge on a, on a pass play, and he comes back, and then he he's like, I'm not, I'm not satisfied. With that. I'm just going to come at the end of the play, at the end of the pile. I, I'm surprised they didn't throw a flag on this for like jumping on the pile. But he I comes, think he went over. Yeah, he goes, like, he, but he was trying to knock somebody out. He was like trying to hurt somebody. Now he he ended up going over and didn't really make like crazy contact. But I, eh, you know, borderline. Like, I've seen I've seen stuff like that be called before. But he's got that nasty streak to him, which I, I really enjoy. Now you want to keep that harnessed a little bit. Uh, but I, I really like how he plays physically, and he, he's absolutely a mauler out there in the run game. He gets a lot of movement out there, so I think that that's a major plus. We just got to get him a little more polished in the pass pro. That's all. Uh, but so give it, as a as a team, we gave up two sacks. I mean, when you run for two sixty one, you only give up two sacks. We I mean, don't want to give up two, any sacks, but I mean, that's that's nothing. That's nothing terrible. So I'm gonna give him a solid B plus here as well. I thought they they performed really well for, for the most part. We got a lot of movement, especially considering. 
we basically stopped trying to score after the first shot of the second half, right? Yeah. I mean, it, we, we could have run for 400 if we really wanted to in this team. Kirby has shown the first couple games here, he's just trying – once we get that big lead, he's just trying to get the locker room, get, get, get the win and get home. Uh, all right, sticking with the offense here, one more position group. Let's take a look at the wide receivers, Kurt. What did you see from them today? What grade do you give those guys? Uh, the wide receivers as a whole, I'd probably go with an A. Okay, I got a B plus here. What what put them over the top and gave you and gave them an A? Not much of a difference there, but what put them over the top with an A for you? Um, I mean, are you including the tight ends? Yeah, let's go. Yeah, we'll call them pass catchers, wide receivers slash tight ends. If I did that, I would probably go to a B plus because the tight ends struggled in the the run blocking. Um, you know, they Charlie Warner be, again, man. Yeah, That's some issues. Warner, times um they they struggled in the run blocking but you know the, the straight up wide receivers they excelled in the run blocking and you know did a great job catching balls and i thought the tight ends did a good job in with receiving but not blocking so that's why i'd probably go with b plus for the group as a whole let's talk about the tight ends for a second in the blocking i i don't think it's been a disaster but there have been moments been very yeah there have been moments where it's like wait 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 you guys are you guys are juniors now right they're just supposed to be a strength of this team how do you? I mean, it, I think not has been solid there, but he's had a few issues as well, a few blown blocks. Not has had issues, but Warner's just had embarrassment. Yeah, Warner's is been kind of glaring for him. What do you think the issue is? Right, I thought last year he was a he was a better blocking tight end than, than Isaac Nauta was, but this year so far through three games he's had some issues. How do you account for that? To me, it almost it just looks like people are being quicker. Like he's getting out on them, and they're just getting right by him. And then he's just he's you know he's desperate. It's it's re- honestly it's really hard for me to account for what's going on. Well, one thing that I have noticed is people are getting inside it up in his body. Yes, he's allowing them to get their hands on him quickly. Yes, he's got to do a better job of, of fighting those hands off or getting his hands on them quickly to control them and not allow himself to get controlled. Uh, and again, it's not like I don't want to be an alarmist here. I don't I don't think Warner's been like terrible. I just think he's I mean, had a few glaring mistakes. Warner, Warner has done decent when he's blocking on the edge. It's when he's lined up in the line of scrimmage. Like you saw, there were some runs yesterday where like we were doing jet sweeps and stuff where he was out, you know, blocking DBs and things like that. He's doing his fine. But when it's the front seven, that's where he's totally getting mauled. Yeah, I know it was only one play, but I still can't get over that play against South Carolina when Daniel Fennell just flat out. I mean, he ran over and through him. Like it, like it was like he was playing a, 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 a little leaguer. Remember that play against South Carolina? Yeah, I mean, just like it was embarrassing. It was truly embarrassing. He ran right through him, and I and I think I've always thought very highly of Charlie Warner. I used to watch this guy back when he was still in high school at Raven County, and he's up here in Athens doing the seven on sevens. And like I was like, and he was playing receiver then. But I was like, this guy is going to be a beast. Um, and I, he's done a good job for us. He really has uh, throughout his career to this point, and he hasn't been awful this year. I don't want to say that he has, but there's been some moments where I'm like, Charlie, what's going on? Like, you're kind of somewhat regressing here on some of these in some of these plays. I just, I just think highly of the guy. I think he's better than what he's shown uh, in, in, in some of these situations this year. So I hope that he uh, gets it straightened out. And I really, I, I'm not sure exactly how to account for it, but something to be watching here as we continue on. But yeah, uh, speaking of the wide receivers, I think, again, they made every play they were asked to. They're making plays in the passing game, they're making plays in the run game. I mean, Tyler Simmons, Jesus Christ, dude, that guy is an animal out there blocking on the perimeter. And him cracking yeah, people, and, too. And Ridley right now have been, totally, have been completely the best blockers. They are, like, are, is it too much of a stretch to say they are dominant blockers? They are. Um, I spe- you know, Simmons has been physical, and Ridley does a great job just getting his hands on people and uh, controlling. I think those two are borderline dominant blockers on the perimeter. And we saw it from Simmons last year, and we saw it from Ridley, too. Actually, both of them had big, huge blocks in the Rose Bowl. Uh, one of Sony's runs got sprung for a huge game. Was really, really completely took his guy out of the play. 
But Simmons would get in some last year. He was like he was kind of like the Jason Stanley role. Like when when Simmons came in last year, you almost knew it was going to be a run because he was coming in to block. And, and Stanley did the same thing. Stanley's still kind of doing that this year, where he's coming in meaningful time. He comes in. It's I guarantee you guys, it's about ninety nine percent percent chance it's going to be a run play. Just keep an eye on that. But Simmons now has also been able to make plays in the passing game. He made plays in the run game himself, getting the ball on the edge there on the on the fly sweep. So man, like this guy is just like he's earned his way into that job, and you can tell Kirby just loves what he brings, that kind of physicality. But he, he's just been great out there. Uh, then you got guys like JJ Holloman, who I've been, we, we, you and I both been high on him, right? Yeah, he's finally coming into his own. Yeah, I mean, this guy he's got all every physical tool you could want. He's got the size, the speed, the vertical ability. Uh, he's got it all, man. He's just had to kind of go out there and figure it out. And it looks like he's finally coming on. And if he can continue to come on like that, that's just another weapon to put in our back pocket there. And you got Miko. Uh, I know it was I know it was a return touchdown, but still he's a wide receiver. He had he had another touchdown. I think, I think he had four catches for 21 yards. But we I mean really we weren't didn't throw the ball that much. We had a really nice solid game there. Uh, so wide receivers, tight ends. Uh, I'm gonna go B plus here. Solely because the tight ends, I think, had a few miscues there in the, in the run game. But wide receivers, I thought, played really, really well again this week. That's kind of becoming a theme early in the season. All right, let's move over to the defense side of the ball here real quick. And uh, let's start up front, man. Uh, the defensive line. We talked about this a little bit uh, with some of the concerns with Middleton Steve being able to run the ball for 158 yards on those 38 carries. What grade are you going to give our defensive front, Kurt? I'm probably going to be minus. Okay, I got a I got a solid B. I'm right there with you. I, yeah, I mean, mine's B, B minus. You know, it's a fine, it's a thin line, right? Yeah. There. Okay. So why did? Because I think other people out there, some of our listeners, just based on what I was seeing in my Twitter feed yesterday, some of them would very. I can almost assure you would give them a, a C or a D. Why are you giving them a B and not rating them lower than that? Um, I mean, first off, not all of it was on their fault. I mean, there were times where our linebackers things weren't holding the edge. So, sure. all, of course, you're thinking it's the, it's the running back or the, you know, the D-line. But, you know, a lot of that also falls on the outside linebackers in situations. But at the same time, I mean, I think that, you know, the first and second group held their own. I, I mean, I don't think you can totally fail, you know, destroy that group for a few a few. Yeah, I don't, I don't, like, when guys like Tyler Clark and Jonathan Ledbetter and David Marshall, when those guys were out there, I didn't see them getting pushed around. No, I mean even Michael Barnett helps. By, out. I, thought, I think Barnett, by the way, is playing. He is really coming he, on. He is. He's playing. Well, he's really basically well. playing our nose guard. You notice he's basically playing that zero one tech nose guard. He has the one that is just struggling the most, and who has never really developed. And you saw it Saturday was Mikael Carter. I, I man, I just don't know to think about that guy. I mean, he was a highly rated dude coming out of high school. Uh, he was. I mean, we've said this before. He was actually much more highly rated than Tyler Clark was. Uh, I don't know if it's because Clark. I mean, maybe Clark came in with a chip on his shoulder. And it, look, all these recruiting services—they don't always get it right. But Mikhail Carter, man, like, you, you know, his first year, you're kind of like, okay, you know, he's a freshman. You know, sometimes playing in the trenches as, as, in the SEC, it can take some time. You, you, you kind of got to get your body in shape. You got to get stronger and that kind of thing to play with a grown men in the SEC. And then last year, it's kind of like, okay, well, we got we got John John, we got all these guys, Harford to crack the rotation. But now, like, we need him this year. And he hasn't shown that he's able to get it done on a consistent basis. He's just not there yet and it's hard to imagine he's going to get there to where he's going to be playing at a really high level if he's now in his junior year and he's not there yet I hope I'm wrong I really hope this guy turns it on because I think he could help us but man like right now it's, it's just not happening but uh so uh, if you look guys like Tyler Clark, John Ledbetter, David Marshall, Jay Hayes even uh, to a maybe a little bit of a lesser degree. I think uh, Barnett's also coming on. Those guys I feel pretty good about. But then after that, we have a bunch of guys who are kind of just good depth pieces. Uh, but 
I, I, I do think the defensive line played pretty well overall. Uh, they're getting the ball. The quarterback's getting the ball out of his hands quickly for the second week in a row, um, as evidenced by the fact that they only averaged 4.8 yards per pass attempt yesterday. So even though we weren't getting a ton of pressure, part of that was what they were doing offensively. They're just trying to get the ball out of their hands quickly, quickly get the ball to the perimeter, get the ball to the edges there, and try to let their small little shifty playmakers like Brad Anderson make plays out there in space. All right, let's move on to the next position group here. And it's in, I think some of the issues that people are putting on our defensive linemen, Kerr, you've, been, you've mentioned this a couple of times. It also, uh, I think some of that responsibility could be placed at the feet of our inside linebackers, which I've talked a lot about. So yeah, the defensive line didn't necessarily play great as a whole, especially in the second half. We have some of our backup guys in there. But I do think you also have to look at the inside linebackers as well. So Curtis, what grade did you give the inside linebackers on the day if you had the defensive line at a B minus B range? I'd go with them with a B minus also. Um, I thought the top three in Monty Rice, Jawan Taylor, and Natrez held their own for the most part. Um, a lot of bad kind of happened, you know, uh, when Tay Crowder first came in his first half. You know, he held his own for the most part. He's one of these people that's close but never there, especially in stop, you know, in pass coverage. He, he's very slow getting over to his guy. I mean, he's probably the most athletic of our he team, linebackers, yeah. but he just doesn't have the natural instinct. I, that's, that's exactly what I would say, man. I 100% agree. I think he, he does have athleticism. Like, it's not that the guy is not athletic. It's that... I don't think he has a great feel for the position. Do you? Yeah, he, he doesn't recognize the guy he's supposed to cover out of the backfield quick. He's just always so. a step slow. It's not because he's a slow player. It's because it's slow in recognizing and reading and feeling exactly. what's going on. You saw that a lot of the run plays, in my opinion, from what I saw in the first half, where they were gaining five or six yards, especially on first or second down type situations, were a lot of the times when he was in. I, I, I noticed that as well. And, like, it doesn't get you beat against Middle Tennessee, but when you're a step slow or a half a step slow because you're you're – you're trying. You're reading and you're reading too long. You're waiting to react too long, and you just don't have that feel for position. If you're a step behind, that can lose a game for you against better competition. And that's that's honestly when you why you didn't see him much against South Carolina, or at least until we blew it open. Yeah. And not only that, but when he was in there, there were times where it was him and Tim all both in there. Yeah, yeah, we got Tindall in the second. Are you surprised to see uh, Channing Tindall come in ahead of Quay Walker in these, in no, these kind of blowout games? Tindall's a little bit more natural at that position right now, so that yeah. may be what's giving him the edge. I mean, sure. when Walker came in the third quarter, he was there, but he's just a little bit – he's kind of similar to Tay. He's just a step behind. Yeah. Uh, but Tindall was, looked a little bit more natural. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. But is it fair to say moving forward, well, now that we're about to get into the, the meat of the SEC schedule here over the next – I mean, we are, essentially are there now after this game. Is it fair to say that – you might start to see more rotation of Natrez Patrick, Jawan Taylor, and Monty Rice, and, and Crowder coming in, coming in just sparingly to, to, to maybe give him a, a breather here and there. Yeah, I think that's exactly what you're going to see. I think they may bring Crowder in on definite passing downs where his guy is already predetermined. He's not having to read the situation to say you just cover this guy no matter what so he doesn't have to think. Yeah. But I'm thinking that's more or less what you're going to see. I mean, that's what you saw against South Carolina where they brought in Crowder but told him you, you stick to the running back more or less and that's it. Are you surprised to see Jawan Taylor essentially being the guy who – I mean, he, he looks like he's our lead linebacker right now, our lead inside linebacker. Does that surprise you at this point? Um, It does surprise me, but I think – you know, we've all said that he has certain attributes. He just hasn't stepped up, and I think he's come to the conclusion now that if he doesn't step up, then there's no – there's you know, time, time's about out. Yeah, I mean, well, it is out. I mean, it's just a senior year. I – I mean, and, and let's be honest, I think Monty's not right. I mean, Natre, like we said, Natrez and Natrez, he, he, he is who he always has been. I think Monty is getting better and better each and every game also. 
I do agree with that. Um, and Taylor, I think part of the reason he played more yesterday than some of the other guys is because he's the only he is our he's our the linebacker that stays in in our dime packages because he's the one that's got the best speed. I don't think he has elite speed, but he's the one that has the best speed of all the other guys, right? So yeah, that's very he true. stays that's on the field. In on third downs. Yeah, he's, I think, he stays I think on the field. He has more uh, you know practice and more experience in the past situations than what uh, say Monty Rice had. Yeah, and I do think Jawan is getting better. I do as he gets more reps. This is a guy we said this before, but it bears repeating. He has not had very many reps at all in meaningful situations throughout his career. He had a, a, a couple of games against Vandy, against Missouri a little bit last year. We had some injuries at the inside linebacker position, uh, but really other than that, this guy has not played any meaningful down. So I think now that he's getting these reps, I think he's getting better. But I'm still not convinced that we have championship caliber inside linebackers right now. Are you? Are, have they changed your mind yet? Um, there's no single individual one, no. Yeah, no, they haven't. I, I think what helps us is we are able to rotate guys in so they stay fresh, which is good. They, because they, they, they do their specific jobs. Like coming into the season, you know, we, this is what I always said, we didn't have any championship caliber player. For, yeah, one year. individual but, guy, yeah. But we were going to have to rotate them and do it by committee, and that's what we're doing. And I think the players are taking to it and, you know, and just trying to do what they're asked to do, do their job. Yeah, and I think when and I, the, the, the rotation, I, first I, I was just very curious to see how it was going to play out, but it's really growing on me because when these guys are in, they are able to go full bore. These guys are playing like balls to the walls when they're in, going as fast as they possibly can because they're rested. And now when you get to the second half against teams like South Carolina, we saw that. We'll see what happens against Missouri and some of these other teams down the road. But those offensive linemen, those running backs, those guys are getting worn down, and our guys coming in are fresh. And you can say the same about our defensive line as well. Uh, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out when heat is not as much of a factor later in the season. But I do think that gives these guys a fighting chance and allows this kind of linebacker by committee thing really kind of – I mean, it's worked out well for us for the most part. And I don't think that we have one elite player out of those four guys that are in this rotation. But I think they're good enough if they can stay fresh and kind of just do what the coaches are asking them to do and fill their role. So, I mean, it's just going to be interesting how this plays out once the competition really starts to pick up here in a couple of weeks. Uh, did you also – did you notice Natrez playing with his hand down on the line of scrimmage a couple of times? Uh, I noticed that a few times. Yeah, there was a down or two. There wasn't much. It was like a, it was like two or three times. I noticed, but he was on the on the line of scrimmage with his hand in the dirt, playing like he's a pass rusher off the edge there. So I don't, I, that was very interesting to see that. I'm I'm curious to see if that's something that we're gonna try to implement more down the road and kind of just get his feet wet doing that. Um, just kind of keep that in your back pocket. I don't I don't I really I don't know how to explain that because I hadn't had not really seen that before. But I saw that a couple times this Middle Tennessee. Makes me wonder about might be something we try to do down the road, especially considering some of the issues that we've had getting after the quarterback. Uh, but I'm with you on the inside linebackers. I've got a B minus here. Uh, I thought they were a solid group, solid day, uh, but certainly still a work in progress there overall with the uh, with the rotation we've got going on. So let's move to the outside linebackers here for a quick minute. Curtis, I don't know if you know this. Right now we are dead last. Number 127th nationally. I know it's only three games, but we are dead last, number 127 nationally, in sacks. We have one sack on the year. One sack, putting us dead last in the country. Now, we're still undefeated, and wins are ultimately what matters, but does that concern you at all moving forward? Not really, because, I mean, I'm just taking into account the teams we've played. Middle Tennessee and South Carolina beat both those teams. The quarterback held the ball for maybe two to three seconds. They are getting the ball out of their hands in a hurry. They're not. I mean, it's, it, it would take someone having a free rush 
to get have a chance to get those guys. And that that, you, that realistically happens maybe once a game, if that. So, I mean, I think when teams are doing like that, to me, what I what the stat I would look at more would be hurries. It's like we said last week about the South Carolina game. It's affecting the quarterback, right? Yeah, I mean, see, that's uh, what it's about. Because Middle Tennessee, I mean, you saw it. A lot of their games was dink and dunk screens. You know, their entire screens. game. They, they they did not try to get the ball down the field one time that I can think of at the top of my head. No, and South Carolina did it what once or twice. And I mean, we got they took one or two shots. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's what I'm saying. I mean, people are. I mean, you're going to have a lot of people question you know, why are we getting pass rush. What do you, what, you know? What would you do? I mean, Austin, Austin P doesn't even try to throw the football hardly. They are a they are a running football team. I mean, to the core. They didn't really give us a situation. No, they didn't give us a chance to do that. Just been, you know, quick, quick attack. Um, you know, from the shotgun, get rid of the ball quickly. They're not going from the you know, not going play action and things right. like that. Wait for plays to develop. And look, I know some of you are sitting here and saying again because you know I get it. You're, you're going to call us homers and say we're just making we're making excuses for the guys. We're a Georgia apologists. That's fine. Say what you want. That's okay. I'm trying to look at this objectively. If you I look mean, at it, I mean, would I have some more sacks? Of course, who wouldn't? But realistically, I mean, if for all these people that are you know ringing ringing hands and everything about it, how would what would you do? You know, how would you how would you change things? Yeah, I mean, uh, go go through this game by game. Austin P. That team hardly throws the football. They are a run first team uh, against South Carolina. You saw their game plan from the get go was to get the ball out of Bentley's hands, get the ball to the playmakers in space, and let them do things. It didn't work out for them. And then you saw yesterday. I mean, they averaged four point eight yards per attempt yesterday. They did not even try to threaten us down the field. They were trying to get the ball into little jitterbug guys like Brad Anderson and Ty Lee trying to get the ball in their hands and let them make plays in space. How many times did they throw those little horizontal routes, those little quick little screen passes? How many times did they do that yesterday? I mean, over and over. They were just trying to get the ball in space, get the ball out of their guys' hands. You cannot sack the quarterback when they're doing that. You simply cannot sack the quarterback when they're doing that. So I'm with you. Would I like to see more sacks? And more pressure when they do drop back? Sure, of course I would. We all would. But I, I'm not, like, freaking out about it yet. And I know the number 127th nationally looks really bad. But, again, it's all about context. Now, if, against Missouri, when they try to take those vertical shots on the field, which is what they do, they try to push the ball down the field. If we're still not getting pressure on lock and, and it's a non-factor in this game, th- not, then that's going to be a problem. That's going to be a problem. And I'll say it's a problem. But you've got to look at what teams have done against us defensively or offensively and how they've tried to attack our defense. They're not really giving our our pass rushers a chance to pin their ears back and come after them. And when when there have been a few opportunities, we've been very, very vanilla on third down, have we not? We haven't. We haven't had to show anything. Yeah, we've been very, very vanilla. We brought a few very vanilla blitzes, like we're bringing DeAndre Walker off the edge there, you know, uh, off the slot and some of those dime packages, but that's pretty basic, guys. Like that—that's something that every team does. We have—we have not gotten into our, our blitz package really heavily at all coming out of that dime package like we did last year. So I think it's coming. It's, it's going to be coming this week against Missouri. But uh, right now, I'm not overly concerned about. It. I would like to have a few more sacks, sure, but I just don't think we've had the opportunities. That may change this week. And if it's still a problem this week, then I will start to get seriously worried. So we'll revisit this in a week here. Uh, all right, let's move to the last group, to the secondary. Uh, by the way, I gave the, the Asalamakers a B-. minus. I don't know if I said that. Uh, but yeah, so, I mean, one second of the year is not great. We were in a dime a lot. I think they're setting the edge well for the most part. But we need to, we do need to press the pocket a little bit more. But let's move on to the secondary here, our last group on the, on the defense. We'll move to special teams after that. What do you uh, give our secondary on the day, Kurt? I think you have to give them an A. 
God, yeah, man. Like, I don't know if you hacked in my computer again, man. You have a habit of doing that. But you're right. You're right. I got I got him as an A as well. What about this group I mean, stood the out only, to you? The only time the segment really messed up, in my opinion, was one where JR Reed took a bad angle. Um, that was a, and that was uncharacteristic of him. Yeah, yeah. and that's very uncharacteristic. He's one of the best pure tacklers on our defense yeah. and things like that. But other than that, I thought, I mean, especially DeAndre Baker once again showed out. Richard LeCount had the strip. I mean, overall, the, and the thing that I like about our DBs right now is they're flying to the ball. And I got I to gotta give a shout-out. I thought Tyson Campbell played really well. You know, it makes, you know, the teams are going to attack him right now. And I thought he, has, he made some nice solo tackles and held his yeah. own in coverage. Yeah, I mean, in this middle Tennessee is not South Carolina, Missouri. So, but no, they mean, did challenge. They did try to challenge, and he responded. Yeah, he, he definitely responded. One thing I'd like to see from him is I want to see more swagger out of him. I want to see him just have some swag out there on the field. Be one of those like DBs. You see with Baker, Baker, chat. Yeah. Baker dares people to throw. Oh, Baker's playing with a lot of swagger right now, and as a DB, you have to, you have to have that confidence. And I'm not saying that that Campbell doesn't. I just think sometimes out there he looks like he not not scared, not scared. That's not the right word. He looks like uh, he's a little unsure of himself at times. Do you have you picked up on that at all? At times, yeah. He just does, I mean, it, which doesn't shock me. No, he he's a true freshman. I think he just does. It's not that you know, it's not that he doubts himself. I don't know. He just doesn't have the confidence everyone else. Does. I don't think like, it's. Yeah. A, I, I don't think it's necessarily confidence in his abilities. I think it's probably confidence that he knows what's going on out there. Because there's so much to our defense. There's so many things that you have to be able to do. So many different reads. So many different checks. There's a lot of different things that are swirling his mind right now. And to me, that's probably what it is. His mind's just swimming. And you, it's the old cliche. You can't play fast if you're if you're thinking too much, right? So yeah. I think I think once he gets. Once things start to slow down for him, I think with every rep he takes, things are going to slow down for him more and more because he sees more of what teams are going to do. Uh, and I think being being attacked is good for him. I really do because then you get it out of the way, you can start to you can start fighting back like you did this week. Yeah, and I know he got beat for two touchdowns against South Carolina, but he also had some good plays in that game as well. We can't completely dis- discount that. But I think he's getting better. Uh, DeAndre Baker's playing with a lot of swag right now. That guy is just getting the job done, man. He's I mean, he's 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 making a case himself to be a first round pick right now. Um, long way to go, I and mean, we're gonna, we're going to need him in a big way this week. But yeah, I think secondary overall, I'd give him an A as well. You're right, that one bad angle by J.R. Reed, uh, which is so uncharacteristic of him. But other than that, I mean, what we held him to was it's 4.8. I'm sorry, not 4.2, 4.8 yards per pass attempt. Uh, just was 138 yards passing, something like that. So, I mean, I don't know what else What else the guys are supposed to do. I mean, they did a great job. They did a great job attacking the blockers on those perimeter plays when they're trying to swing the ball out to the edge. Uh, and they're also doing an outstanding job, almost to a man, tackling guys in space. Because that's what, that's what modern offensive football has gotten to, is they just want to get the ball to playmakers in space. We're, we're doing it too. And defensively, to counter that, you have got to be able to get the guy on the ground in space when you're one-on-one, and we have done a really good job of that. We're the one glaring exception of that touchdown run with a bad angle, but overall, man, really good stuff. Uh, all right, let's go to the special teams unit here. Kurt, what do you grade uh, what, what grade do you give our special teams overall? A C. Oh, oh, even with a touchdown? Even with the touchdown. I think okay, the touchdown's tell me why. Go. The, uh, touchdown's the only reason they don't fail, and I think it's just uh, – they were just completely sloppy. It was uncharacteristic mistakes. Penalties, you know, the yeah. offsides. I mean, the thing is, let's be honest. You know, Rodriguez can kick it in the end zone. Why? Why are you offsides? Good point. Good point. I'm a little more lenient than you. I didn't quite go in the C range. I gave him a B minus. I the touchdown is the only thing that kept them off the C range. Uh, but I uh, the reason I give them C's are it. It was mistakes that there's no reason for. You stupid, know, was, stupid things that will get yeah. you beat against better teams. If it was a mistake for where you were trying hard and you know something just happened, okay, then, then you're in the B section. But they were just ridiculous. Like that one coming out of halftime, the opening kickoff of stupid. the second half, you're all sides. 
That's stupid. why I gave him a C because it's just a stupid, stupid, stupid mistake that there's no reason for. Can't do it. And what about Mecole and Crumpton? Both, both guys yeah, had to play. And see, that's one thing too. Um, you know, it, it, it doesn't like this. You know, they, even the announcers, as annoying as they are, said in a game like this, it doesn't kill you. But in a big time SEC game, you, that 10, 15 yards is a big difference. You can't be backed up inside like the ten yard line if you don't have to be. And those and and, Crump, and and I know Crumpton hasn't gotten a ton of reps out there, so it's maybe a little bit more understandable for him. But Miko was our punt returner all last year. He knows better. Man. Well, and not only that, but Miko did it right after he chewed Crumpton out. Exactly, that's true. Yeah, yeah, he saw Crumpton get and like, hey Miko, you're out there probably because Crumpton made a mistake and he's being punished. We're putting you out there, and you do the exact same thing. So yeah, I mean I, that that cannot happen. You cannot. You have to be better than that. You have to be better than that. Uh, so, but then he redeemed himself somewhat. All right, I would say he redeemed himself, right, with the with the punt return for the touchdown. Um, I, it's about seventy five percent redeemed. Okay, all right, all right, dude, you're just tough on these guys. All right, uh, and one other factor here that also let me give him a B plus or B minus is Rodrigo, man. Twenty one for twenty one, twenty one touchbacks and twenty one kickoffs on the year. Twenty one for twenty one. The dude's become a monster. He's he, he's a beast out there, man. Like. Remember, was it two years ago? Like when he, when his dad came out in the in the press and was, you know, just being an idiot. Like just, I mean, I know he's defending his son, so kudos to you on that. But just like, oh my god, dude, there's another way to handle this. But remember what our response was to that? Have your son get get better. Have him kick the ball the end zone. Because remember that first year, he was not doing it consistently. He wasn't. It was, it was a problem. It was a problem. I mean, Vanderbilt essentially beat us because of that. Because remember that opening well, kickoff? I mean, Tennessee, we gave him a, sh- a shorter field on the Hail Mary. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it cost us games. It was a problem. It was definitely a problem. But, man, has he responded? Like, dude, I have so much respect for this guy. And I know he's, you know, people say, oh, he's just a kicker. Dude, like, this guy has put the work in, and he has gotten better. Rarely do you see a kicker be able to do that. In, in two years, be able to get to the point where he's having trouble even getting the ball in the end zone to now he, he's kicking out of the back of the end zone every single time. Like, it's crazy. This guy has gotten so good. He's become such a weapon for us. I mean, essentially right now, Kickoffs are, I mean, kickoff returns are a non-factor for our opponents. They cannot return. I mean, Debo Samuel is in a. It might be the best kick return in the country, and he could not return a kick. He could. And, and one other thing, I don't know if people really notice this, and I, I want to believe this was Rodrigo going back to that South Carolina game. So he's kicking the ball out of the end zone, right? Well, yeah. then late in the game, Debo goes. He, he kind of lines up deep because he's like dead set. He's gonna return this kick, right? I'm. Gonna, I know he's gonna kick it deep. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna catch it and I'm gonna run it out because we're getting beat. Whatever. And Rodrigo, I think Rodrigo saw that. Like. In the stadium, I thought it was a bad kick. But going back and rewatching that a couple of times, when you the one he kind of like, it almost went out of bounds, right? Yeah. Like I, I at first I was like, dude, that was terrible. What are you doing, Rodrigo? But I think honestly, he saw Samuel back there line up to to to, to return it, even if it was deep in the end zone. And so he tried to kick it out of bounds like that. I truly believe that's what he was trying to do. Uh, and I, I can't confirm or verify that. I have no way to know that. But I, I want to believe that's what he was trying to do. But bottom line, I think Rodrigo has become a monster. He's a truly a weapon for us. So I think he has to factor into this great as well. So I'm going to give it a B-. minus. But it has to get better. It has to get better. No doubt about it. All right, real quick here to wrap it up today on the show. Uh, what three players are you going to highlight as your top performers on the day? Um, I'm going to go with Nicole, uh, J.J. Holloman, and then I'm probably going to go with Baker. Okay, uh, Miko with the with the punt return. Okay, so Miko is out for me. I mean, he 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 did he had a great game. I mean, obviously has you know four catches, twenty one yards, touchdown. Has the punt return for a touchdown. It's great. 
but that that mistake, man, I, I have to penalize him for it. I can't I can't call him top performer when you do that because again, I know it didn't hurt us yesterday, but it could hurt us in the future. But I, he did play really well and he he put up some big numbers, two scores, definitely big. Uh, so you had Miko. Who else did you have? Uh, JJ Holloman. I thought he had a great game receiving. Yeah, uh, big game, block. big game, big game for JJ's another physical blocker out there. So JJ Miko, who else? Baker. And then Baker. Yeah. yeah I mean, so I got that, that third that but, uh, on that throwback pass, and then he picks it off right after that. I mean, he he's just playing with swagger. Dude, he's just all over it, man. This guy. I mean, he. I thought he was really good last year. I didn't know how much he could improve his stock, but man, I was wrong. Like this guy, he's he's gotten better. Like he's 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 he is a legit first round type NFL cornerback. I, I truly believe that right now. Unless something unless he falls off the face of the earth but the way he's playing right now, answering the challenge. I mean I mean he essentially shut down Debo's team. I know he had a couple pass interference because he's playing aggressive, but I mean Debo's really good. I mean I'm not gonna say he's not. He is. And and Baker answered that challenge, man. And they were coming at him too. Uh so yeah, I got I got Baker as well in this one. Got the pick, uh the big play uh, when they were trying to run that trick play. But I've also got Tyler Clark who I think is just a monster out there, man. This guy just gets it done every single game. Thought he played really well for us up front. And I got Jake Fromm as well. I mean, he was uh, – I, I, quarterback is never flawless on the day, but he was pretty close to it, man. Like, he was really good, putting the ball on the money, going through his progressions. He was in control like he always is. Uh, just really like what I saw from him on Saturday. Now, I know Middle Tennessee State's not much of a – there's not much resistance there defensively, but still, thought he played really well. Uh, so, out of those three guys you pick, Kurt, who would your game ball on the day go to? Probably Holloman. Man, see, I, I really want to give – I wanted to put J.J. Holloman in my top yeah, three I as well. Yeah, I go with him because, I mean, he, the other people you expect it from and him, I thought he really came out and this was yeah. a chance for him to try to earn more PT. I think he did, man. Like I think he really is starting to earn some more playing time, and I'm really excited for the guy. And I really want to put him in my top three. He's he, if I had a fourth guy, JJ Hallman would have been that guy. I was really excited for him uh, in that game. Uh, but for me, I, I'm gonna give the, the game ball to Jake Fromm, and only played a half of football. I don't even know half because he got Fields in there early in the second, early in the first half. But when he was in, when he was when he was playing, man, this guy was on. He he did all the right things. Didn't have any misreads. Uh, read things perfectly. Put the ball in the money. Uh, made big throws down the field. Big plays. So really liked what I saw from him. So I'm gonna give Jake from the game ball on the day. But uh, all right, that does it for us here today on the Glory UJ podcast. We definitely appreciate you guys taking time like you do each and every week to listen to our show. Again, this is a free episode for the week, but if you want more, if you want access to our mailbag shows, you want the game preview shows heading into the game in Columbia, Missouri, which could be could be a tough game. I, I, this is one I've, I've had my own for a while. I think this is going to be a tougher game than a lot of people think. Uh, then definitely subscribe to us on Podbean. You can go to our Twitter page, at Glory underscore UGA. Hit uh, the link there. Take it straight to our Podbean page. And you can subscribe for only $2 a month straight from there. Definitely help us keep our show going as we are trying to work some things out behind the scenes with with some other distributors. But uh, thanks for listening, guys. We really, really do appreciate your, your support. It was another nice win. Got uh, another, another big one here on the road this week. So we'll have you guys covered throughout the week. But for Curtis, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs.